Welcome to episode 191 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss concussion, Canadian semi-pro league, NFL's record broadcast rights deal, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 191 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week? Well, Dr. T, I am surviving. Um, you know, uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty full-on weekend, really, not just Rugby League, but also what was happening with the weather and everything like that. Um, but look, uh, you know, want to thoughts go certainly out there to all those that were affected by um, the floods and the bad weather that we've had in New South Wales. But uh, glad to see, glad to hear that most people are doing all right. So, um, how about yourself, the Doctor T? How's how's life on your end? Uh, yeah, look, yeah, you're right, not too bad. But I, we do obviously have a an eye to what's happening with uh, the once in a hundred years uh, New South Wales floods, because there's so much going on and, you know, people are still not out of the woods. So all across New South Wales, you know, from, from uh, mainly I think the mid North coast and the North coast, but also definitely parts of Western Sydney, um, you know, Penrith is affected. Uh, you know, I, I believe I even saw in the news uh, was that Ivan Cleary had to actually evacuate, his house so Penrith coach Ivan Cleary had to evacuate his house you know really you know this sort of hits home in terms of uh it's affecting everyone in these low-lying communities so look our thoughts go out to everyone please be safe and uh you know make sure you communicate and listen to the authorities and uh, prepare for possible evacuation if possible but um but yeah um so, but yeah, in the world of rugby league, uh, there's there's also a lot going on. So, um, shall we just jump into it? Our six tackles. What do you think? Yeah, let's uh, let's dive straight in. All right. So the first tackle is, as always, our news update. So here we go. All right. Got a couple of really interesting items to talk about here in our news update. Uh, Tish, do you want to take us away with the first one, which is about, well, you go ahead. You tell us what it's about. Okay, this is about um, Felice Cafusi uh, and his Hall of Pain. Um, but basically, Felice Cafusi has ignited um, or reignited the debate about inconsistencies when it comes to the concussion uh, rules out there. So, um, and he's, uh, you know, the Melbourne enforcer. I mean, he plays for Australia and Queensland, uh, but he's fast gaining an unwanted reputation for his stray forearm, which is leaving a trail of controversy in its wake. Uh, his wayward elbow has injured and knocked out eight players in the past two years, in the past two seasons, including Boyd Cordner twice last year, wow. uh, one in round eight and one in the State of Origin se- uh, series. But he's still yet... Um, yet 
been able to avoid a long-term suspension, only getting two weeks after a an, a horrifying tackle against Ryan Madison this week that left him concussed out of the game and I think missing about four weeks now um, due to concussion protocols. Um, you know, there were similar tackles over the weekend from Dallin Wateni Zaletiak, who actually got uh, sin-binned for 10 minutes, as well as Kyle Felt, um, who didn't get sin-binned. All ta- tackles were pretty horrific, but they got two matches just like Felice Kafusi. So, you know, is two tackles... Um, you know, if the NRL is serious about brain injury, is two weeks enough for sending players, and particularly on a player like Felice Kafusi, who has uh, done it eight times uh, in the last two two years, all leading with the elbow. Um, your thoughts there, Dr. T. Do you think do you think two weeks is enough to actually deter him or get him to change his action? Jeez, uh, they're good questions. I mean, you know, look, this is the, the constant battle that we have in when we talk about uh, player indiscretions uh, and violence on the field is we always talk about that, that fine line between, you know, trying to improve player safety and obviously that's the side of you know trying to reduce concussions and all that kind of thing and then the other side which which wants um you know wants it to remain a tough game and and sometimes there's going to be accidental knocks and things like that and so it's a fine balance that we need to strike but i think in this case we've got a clear example of someone who has a problem <laughs> with controlling his forearms and and let's let's be clear it's not really it is forearms but you may as well be talking about he tries to elbow people in the head that's really what it is um and so it's it's you know and it doesn't look good especially the latest one against um was it ryan madison of the eels and you know it was pretty clearly unwarranted it didn't come from a heat of the moment kind of fight it didn't you know the the player was on his back he wasn't even wriggling that much from what I remember. Uh, he, and it was just an unnecessary, you know, he basically forcefully went down and his forearm kind of deliberately collected his head. Uh, yeah. It was, it wasn't as sickening as what people have said, but, you know, it could have been a lot worse. And the fact is it was deliberate. It was very clearly deliberate. Yes. It wasn't a heat of the moment thing. He's got a problem. And so I think the issue is the NRL needs to stop this kind of, uh, you know, favoritism for certain players. And I have no doubt that if he was not a Melbourne Storm player, he would have got, um, you know, a bit harsher treatment. I think in many ways, Melbourne Storm players uh, are given a bit of a free pass when it comes to these things. Uh, and I know people are going to think, oh, that's controversial, you know. Well, you know, people say the same thing about Roosters players, etc. And I don't necessarily disagree, but I think this is a clear case of, you know, why else would, would this particular player keep getting away with it? He's done it multiple times over two years. You know, we're a data-driven business, the NRL, mm-hmm. Um the data is pretty clear. <laughs> this player has yeah. a problem and and the judiciary needs to do something about it. And surely past history tells you that there's a problem and you need to do something about it. And players should be punished if they continue to do the same thing and, and don't uh, f- fix it. And, you know, just like in the past when, 
Al Langer had to have a talking to about his uh, wayward uh, yeah. kicking style of uh, of bringing players down in tackles. Um, same sort of thing. We need to have a talking to and, and really be honest about this. So anyway, that's my view. I think look at the data and the data is pretty clear. Any person can tell you that, that this particular player has a problem. Not picking on him in particular, it's more just the NRL needs to actually do what it says it's going to do to protect players who are getting concussed left, right and centre. And look, how can we say for sure that this kind of repeated action against Boyd Cordner, the Australian captain, uh, hasn't led to his, uh, you know, kind of uh, early retirement or that kind of thing? 12 weeks he's out this year. Yep. And and surely it will lead to something worse down the line. And so I think... uh, if that doesn't tell you you need to, if if that's not a red red enough flag for you, well, the NRL is colour blind. <laughs> so, Tish, what about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think um, if a player has something wrong uh, in the way they're tackling style technique, and I think if you've injured a player, if you've injured other players, and it's more than sort of three times, <laughs> you know, in a season, for example. I think I think the NRL should actually, um, you know, there should be a, a harsher sentence, uh, or even, um, you know, you should actually. I mean, in other sports, if you have an, an illegal action, <laughs> you're actually banned from that sport until you get that action right, and you could actually prove to, uh, you know, you can actually prove that you've actually stamped that out of your game. And I think as soon as you bring something like that in, a very harsh penalty. Because you've got to remember, this is uh, we're not look. A brain doesn't heal like a leg or a shoulder or anything like that. And you know, the, the reality is there is we don't really know the extent of what these injuries can lead to. So any sort of action that is, um, you know, aimed or targeted at the head should really have very severe punishment. And we shouldn't, in this instance, uh, have too much sympathy for the perpetrator. Because um, I feel like the NRL sometimes is more sympathetic to the perpetrator than trying to get justice for the victim. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. You know, particularly when it comes to you know you sort of see you know Ryan Madison's out for four weeks, but Felice Kafusi complained two weeks, for example. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, you know, Boyd Corner got hurt by the same player twice last year, um, and this player is only missing two weeks out of I, like did not get suspended. I don't. I mean, I went back and had a look. I. I Look, I'm not 100% sure whether he missed some games last year, but the fact that he only got two suggests that he didn't have any loading, which would mean that he probably did, got it off the last two times he did it. But then Boyd Corner's out for 17 years, uh, 17 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever it is, the total. Um, and I think that that is a big problem when, when and, and particularly when it's concussion-based because um, it affects the quality of life. And I think the uh, Rugby League Players Association, um, I think they should actually err on the side of player safety over, you know, player, you know, over supporting perpetrators. I kind of feel like um, they're more in favour of, like, you know, protecting the boys rather than protecting the player, if that makes sense. But moving right along, shall we? Yeah, well, before we do, I, I have to say, I, I, it reminds me of um, of, uh, of an old George, President George W. Bush quote, which was, uh, fool me once, Shame on you. Fool me twice. Welcome to the NRL judiciary. I think I think that's what 
I think that's what he was trying to get. I'm not sure. That's a, that's a that's just a paraphrase. <laughs> it's not a direct quote. But look, you know, the NRL judiciary really um, get your act together because this is ridiculous. We're talking about player safety here. So, yeah, look, speaking of fooling, there's another news item, which is about the referees being fooled. Um, Tish, do you want to take this one as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, as Mr. T says, I pity the fool. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you're a fan of Roadrunner and Wally Coyote, you'd, you'd enjoy this because the uh, players have got one up on the referees in round two. So, look, a wink uh, from the Eel star Clint Cutherson has exposed an emerging trend uh, of players staying down in a bit to stop the game uh, and, give uh, you know, to give their teammates a chance to take a, a breather. Uh, the pattern of a fullback was uh, called, you know, it was suggested that he had, uh, you know, had done this purposely to slow the game down, uh, and he actually winked at the camera while he was being strapped up. Um, and apparently, the Melbourne Storm blew up about it at halftime, and uh, there was talk that the Storm players said, "Well, if Gutho's going to get away with it, uh, we'll do that too." And in the second half, you actually saw Ryan Peppenhausen do that twice, where he stayed down, no trainer came up to him, so the ref stopped the game. Um, so look, under the new NRL rules uh, that was announced last December, a player must spend at least two minutes on the sideline if a tra- if a trainer calls on the referee to stop the game as a result of the player needing me- medical attention. So however, what players are doing is that um, they are going down and the trainer doesn't actually go near them. So it kind of forces the ref to stop the game. Um, and I think Ryan... Peppenhausen actually did it while he had the ball in his hand. Um, so there's nothing the referee can do that, then just stop the game. Um, but he doesn't have to go off the field because it's the ref who stopped it, not the um, uh, not the uh, you know not the not the trainer. Um, there was actually another incident in the final game of this uh, of the round with um, you know with uh, you know Canberra's uh, Canberra's five eighth Jack Whiten going down. Uh, and then some of the Cronulla players were blowing up about it too, saying, "Look, he's he's tricking you, mate. He's tricking you, mate. Like you know, um, let the play, you know, let him play, let him play. You know, if he's if he needs medical attention, then the trainer should call it. But then the referee just stopped it anyway and called the 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 Sharks players off. So, um, yeah. So Doctor T, you know, all these new rules, and we're already seeing one being uh, completely exposed by the uh, by the NRL players and teams." Yeah, and you know what? Good for them for finding the loophole. Uh, to be honest, if uh, you know, if if it was if it was a Clint Gutherson thing, uh, you know, well done for reading uh, that page in the rule book because I'm I was already, you know, like I, I was bored <laughs> reading that. There's no way I would have gone to that and go, oh yeah, here's one way we can ex- expose it and exploit it. I mean, um, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to the NRL and this is a problem with these constant changes in things is is that you need some time to think it through and workshop these ideas during the off season before you implement them you need the referees there you need the players there and you need people with a bit of a devil's advocate hat on who say oh you know what if the rule is that the trainer you know will do this well what what if i just do this what if i just do that um this could have all been addressed earlier if we actually think about, you know, the butterfly effect of all these minor changes to rules. Yeah. So well done to Parramatta for doing it. I think the Melbourne Storm were upset that they didn't get to it earlier 
because they they're the ones that usually are the first ones to come up with these kind of tricky ways to you know hoodwink the referees but look how, how is this dealt with in other sports you know if it is about time wasting if players think well that's not fair it's time wasting well how many times do we see this in in other games towards the end of the game where there's a lot of slowing down of the play of the ball and it is time wasting technically but it's kind of seen as, oh, well, it happens and you're allowed to do it because you've got the ball and, um, you know, you see players taking, uh, what's it called, uh, surrender tackles towards the end of the game, just trying to get things, re- and they get up really slowly at the end, like, and they pretend they've got a hamstring injury or something, you know, need a stretch, all that kind of thing. This has happened, you know, from day one of the game and especially when, it's getting more athletically kind of demanding. You can kind of understand, in some cases you kind of go, I don't know if this is real or not, but it's been such a tough game that I can see why there's five players on the ground trying to get their hamstrings stretched cause, or, or cramping up with something. Um, but in this case, you know, it wasn't, you know, it, it, this is what players will do because they want to catch a breath. They're not necessarily trying to waste time. They're just trying to conserve their energy. So, it's coming from a good place. They're not trying to hoodwink the referee with, uh, you know, they're not trying to sort of get the other team in trouble. They're just trying to catch a break. So with that in mind, why not just come up with a, a some sort of a, a rule like what other teams, what other codes do, where if you're seen as time-wasting, then, you know, maybe the referee can, can sort of penalise you or the team and, and it doesn't matter about whether the trainer calls for it or whatever, maybe it's, or maybe really just leave it up to the referee to sort of give players a chance to catch their breath if, if it's been a particularly fast-paced match. I mean, I, I, I really don't know what the answer is. Um, I think it, whatever the case is, we just need to have a, a, a bit of a think about, you know, what we, we need to have a think about whether um the players uh are doing this deliberately to hurt the other team or they're just doing it to catch a break because if it is that then maybe we just need to be a little bit more lenient and maybe just let it go not necessarily a blind eye but uh turn a blind eye but you know we we just need to think of something otherwise just go the go the soccer way and and kind of you know yellow card players who are time wasting deliberately um, simple as that. I mean, there's TV evidence for what Clint Gutherson did, so you know, use it. There's, there is a isn't there a, a bunker there <laughs> for these yeah. TV games? You know, why don't they say, hey, this guy's, you know, there's evidence of it. You like him? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer, Tish, but at the very least, it points to the fact that the NRL really needs to think about these things before they implement new rules. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think so too. Like they they probably need to think this one out. And you know, I I kind of feel like um it's like an easy timeout now. Um so um <laughs> and there's no timeouts in rugby league, but you know you actually see it towards the end of back half of games because you know one team will do- start dominating the other team. The other team you clearly see is winded, and then there are all these mechanisms now to try and stop the game. And you know they've 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 said they've tried to stamp it out, but really they. Um, I think the more they try to stamp it out, the more worse it gets. Um, so yeah. So look, I think I think ultimately it was just yeah bad planning on the NRL. Um, and look, discretion. You know, if the referee sees a, a player trying to stop the game, then they should uh, they should you know uh, there should be some mechanism that they have to go. All right, you know, look, um, that's ten minutes and bin, or you know, or look, if the player's not going to call it, 
you know, if the if the uh, sorry the trainer's not going to call it, then I'm calling it, and then you're going to have to sit sit out because the truth is, if you're really injured, then you should be ta- going to the sideline, right? That's that's the whole reason to bring this rule in. So I don't I don't understand how that could be done. And I mean, thirdly, it could be that the game's gone too fast that the referee itself needs a break. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> and maybe yeah. that's why they're like more likely to to sort of push it. But um. But yeah, a lot of uh, interesting talking points in the NRL, indeed. All right, let's move on to our tackle number two, which is our last round review. Here we go. Right, here's our uh, review or our wrap of round two. So I'll just quickly go through the scores. Uh, the Parramatta Eels finally defeating the Melbourne Storm 16 points to 12 in front of 10,416 fans. Um, the Newcastle Knights defeating the New Zealand Warriors 20 points to 16 in front of 4,551 fans. The Titans uh, over the Broncos in the local derby there 28 to 16 in front of 17,822. Um, Penrith Panthers 28-0 against the Bulldogs in front of 5,062 fans in torrential rain, mind you. Um, and the South Sydney Rabbitohs, 26-12 over the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles in front of 3,218 fans. The Dragons, 25, winning against the Cowboys, 18, in front of 15,120 uh, up, up there at uh, Townsville, I believe. Um Sydney Roosters, 40-6 against the Tigers in front of 6,107 fans. And finally, the Raiders, 12-10 over the Sharks in front of 3,145 fans. Tish, uh, look, let me just sort of launch in there and say my highlights, we're only going to just talk our highlights of the round, obviously was the Eels' victory over the defending Premiers, the Storm. Um, And I have to say it was the way they did it. Uh, It was... They started off in front. They um, there was a bit of kind of toing and froing, and and the the win really was uh, cemented at the end there. So I'm really proud of them in the way that they kind of um, stuck in there, and it was really a piece of magic in the end, a Steve Gearan esque uh, catch of a bomb, a midfield bomb by Mitchell Moses uh, to to none other than Mike Sivo. In, who basically leapt over whoever the, the Melbourne Storm winger is. In fact, he did it twice. He did it earlier in the game as well. And uh, this time he did it with only a few minutes to spare, and it was the deciding uh, kind of try uh, to put them 16-12 up. And and it was a well-deserved victory. It was an amazing game. Uh, considering the conditions, it was a really uh, a great spectacle. So for me, it was... a you know, rugby league was the winner on the night, but especially the Eels and especially against the Storm. And I'm especially proud of that because it's not that often we can say that we can come away with a win against the Storm, especially one uh, one Storm team that is uh, the defending premiers and so early in the season as well. So, uh, look, that was my highlight. Tish, what about you? What was your uh, highlight or, or, or major talking point from the round? Oh, look, my major talking point actually goes back to the year 1919. Uh, and the legendary Balmain Tigers uh, team of Arthur Halloway, uh, you know, coach and captain, um, who had a remarkable feat to be the first uh, team and the last team to actually have two back-to-back uh, opening round games where 
they did not have a try scored against them. And that feat has not been repeated until 2021 when the Penrith Panthers have so far have yet to concede a point. Um, so after 100 years, a team yeah. has been able to do that. So what an amazing effort I've got to say from the Penrith Panthers. Um, but the talking point that I think that are that, that this kind of shows is that um, I did account and, you know, in the opening two seasons, uh, two rounds last year, there was about three games, two or three games of, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not too sure about one of them, where a top, a bottom eight side of the previous season had um, had beaten a top eight side of the previous season. But so far in the year 2021, there's been no bottom eight side that's beaten a top eight side. So I think for me, the spotlight I've got to say is that it is really a two-tier competition. There is... There is clearly eight teams. Probably a lot of people are saying that it's the clear six, and maybe maybe that is true. And then there's another few that are uh, that are jostling it out. Um, the problem is when you count the six, which is you know the Eels, the Storm, um, you know the Panthers, the you know Panthers and uh, the Roosters, the Raiders, um, maybe the okay. Sharks. Yeah, well that that's the thing. You, then you think maybe the Sharks, and you also think. Newcastle, they've actually looked pretty good as well, both these teams. So you kind of think that it is the, the top eight from last year. There is a gap, I feel, between the top eight of last year and the bottom eight of last year. And I think that gap has widened in 2021. Um, and I think the first two rounds actually shows that because you usually get an upset here or there. But so far, we haven't seen that. And the top eight, the bottom eight teams look nowhere near as good as the top eight teams. So I think it's a real concern and we'll probably need to watch how this one goes because obviously talk about another team, Brisbane, where you're going to spread the talent pool out a little further. So is that going to create even more of a divide between the have and have nots? Not really sure how that's going to play, but I I think that is a growing trend. And um, let's see if there's a a top eight team that loses to a bottom eight team in in round three. And if there isn't, then I think... I think the league's got serious problems about the way it's all uh, sided and lopsided, and potentially there might be some salary cap breaches that are uh, people are getting away with. Well, I mean that's um, <laughs> that's a pretty tough one to 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 go for, but yeah, let's um, look. I think it's too early to sort of work out whether the the league is. Uh, is differentiated into two different tiers. I mean, I think actually in in that we also forgot the Rabbitohs in that in that mix as well. So, um, oh yeah, the Rabbitohs. Yeah. So the look, I I think you'll find what you'll find is that we're going to have a bit of a shuffling around at the top, and I'm hoping it's the eels that come out on top. Obviously, um, we're going to have an, a bit of shuffling around around the uh, the five, six, seven, eight. 9-10 kind of area. So I, I think you're going to see some close matches between, you know, you got Knights and the Warriors uh, had a pretty close game and, you know, Titans are up there as well, potentially. So, you know, and don't discount Manly as well. I mean, uh, they, you know, any team with Des Hazard as coach, uh, you know, you, you've got to give them a bit of a fighting chance. So I think, um, let's see how it goes. But yeah, the, there's some interesting little... Uh, Little things, little patterns that are starting to emerge already, and we're only two weeks in. It's unbelievable. So there yeah. you go. Um, all right, let's move on now to tackle number three, and this is our spotlight. Here we go. 
right. So the spotlight for this week is our the. It's called Unthinkable: How the NRL Achieved the Impossible. Now, Tish, uh, do you want to take this one? This one is about it's COVID related. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So look. Uh, at the end of round two last year is when they had to make that historic announcement um, in probably the most dramatic day in NRL history, March 23rd, 2020, where um, the NRL had to suspend the competition. Um, and, you know, the, the this crisis that we've had with the coronavirus forced the code to come together and focus on ensuring a strong NRL competition uh, to ensure the viability of the game moving forward, you know, working together. And, you know, uh, to sort of celebrate what Rugby League has been able to achieve, the first ever sport or sporting code to be able to start playing again um, post, you know, in, in the COVID season, setting a, a May 28 death, uh, May 28 date that a lot of people told them that they were absolutely crazy and nuts. And even, even you had uh, governments that told them that it's not going to happen but yet they were able to defy all the odds and basically achieve what was touted as impossible, which was to get the game back up and away by May 28th and really leading the way when it came to how a sport deals with the coronavirus, how how um, a sport deals with the pandemic, how to do a bubble, you know, how to keep players safe uh, and really, you know, you know, getting thousands of people um, that were, you know, in a bubble to be able to cooperate hour by hour, it's, it really is a remarkable achievement. And uh, we have sport all around the world and a lot of the implementation, uh, you know, everybody learned from the from the NRL, which led the way. So an absolute historic achievement. And the way that they've actually uh, done is that they've done a an awesome spotlight video that you could actually check out um, on the NRL website. It is called Unthinkable, How the NRL Achieved the Impossible. And, you know, I think it goes for around about 15 minutes. Just have a quick watch of it. It, it is great. It's quite a bit, well, it's, yeah, there's, there's a bit of emotion to it. Um, it's got some really interesting facts in there, some 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 quite outspoken uh, comments made by people from different codes and walks of life. And then right at the end, this is what I really like about it. It's got a big thank you to all the fans, to all the players, to everybody that participated in making the game run. There is about, it goes, I think it goes for almost a minute where it just rolls through every person that was involved in helping the NRL get back, um, you know, to to playing on May 28th. We're talking all the players, we're talking all the coaches, all the coaching staff. Um, you know, it just rolls through a list of, of, you know, doctors, medical staff, anybody that was involved in trying to help the game get back up. They've actually um, put their names on to sort of commemorate it which I think is a really nice touch. So, look, I've got to say, you know, sometimes we're a bit critical of the NRL marketing team, and I am still disappointed that they haven't come out with a documentary uh, to highlight what they've done. But, um, look, this is this is one step closer to that. And, um, you know, I've got to say well done on the NRL on actually spotlighting the fact that they are the sport that did the unthinkable. Absolutely, and, and I agree. I think... Uh... The NRL needs to get on the front foot and 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 restore its reputation. And look along that line. I think they they what they need to do is they really need to go all guns blazing and get a properly produced film out there. And I'm looking at none other. So who else are you going to look at when you want to restore a reputation 
and and you want to uh, you know right or wrong from the past, and especially what the AFL has done uh, in in false in their false claims. And I think what they need to do NRL is get in touch with Zack Snyder because Zack Snyder's Justice League has uh, restored <laughs> restored a wrong of uh in the past and uh he's going great guns so he's he's riding the wave of popularity at the moment so you know get him on the phone uh peter volandis and 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 say you know you're looking for some work well we've got some real life superheroes here that could use a bit of storytelling to tell the world about what we did here and uh and what a great game this is so i reckon get some slow motion get some cgi you know the whole deal uh, go do it. The 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 Snyder Cut version is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's the Snyder Cut. Restore the NRL Snyder Cut. That's yeah. what we need. Hashtag. Um, I, like I, I thought you were going to go down the Michael Moore route. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, no. NRL nine, twenty three oh two or something. Um, <laughs> or maybe Louis Theroux's NRL Weekends or something like that. No, that's uh, uh, that's too much of a. It's got too much of a the smell of a, an expose. <laughs> As a pro, which is not, which you know, not it's not what we want at all. That's not the tone we're going for there, Tish. But look, <laughs> look, I, I think I'm going for something more uplifting and more, you know, epic, uh, which is why I think we need to, you know, you can either talk to him or what's the other one? Christopher Nolan, you know, get get uh, the famous Christopher Nolan. He hasn't done much for a couple of years, so, you know, let's see what he can do. But, um, yeah, get the NRL up there and uh, right some wrongs. So restore the NRL Snyder Cut. That's what I say. Um, yep. All right, enough of that. Let's move on to our fourth tackle, which is uh, it's all about football. All right, so in It's All About Football, we uh, in this tackle we talk about, well, we look at other football codes, so we look outside of rugby league and we discuss what the implications are uh, for rugby league. So in this case, look, Tish, I couldn't go past this news story. It was the most epic news story in terms of something that we keep talking about here on the Rugby League Republic podcast, which is broadcast rights, TV rights, you know, all that kind of thing and how the NRL in the past has been dudded and, uh, you know, recently, well, as a result of the COVID comeback, we, um, we Peter Volandis managed to get a bit of a, a, a TV rights deal that sort of, you know, gets us moving for a little while. But then I look at this and there's a big, big news announcement that came from the NFL, which has obviously Gridiron, for those of you who don't know, which has just secured a US $100 billion, that's right, $100 billion broadcast rights deal over an 11-year period. It is the biggest broadcast deal by any sport in history. And we think, uh, and I'll go into it in a minute, but we think there are some positives here for rugby league. So I'll just give you a quick rundown of, um, so obviously $100 billion translates to about $129 billion Australian, which is absolutely humongous. Uh, here are just some little uh, components of that. Um, so it's got the involvement of streaming platforms. So Amazon Prime Video is getting exclusive rights to Thursday night football as part of this package. Uh, ESPN and ABC is getting two Super Bowls, the first one in 2026. Uh, there's obviously Super Bowls are kind of shared. So every year there's a new 
a new channel or a new platform gets that, that the rights to that Super Bowl, which is obviously the biggest uh, TV show, you know, or broadcast show in America in that year, almost almost regularly, uh, you, you get the Super Bowl at number one there. Um, ESPN is keeping Monday Night Football, and NBC is retaining Sunday Night Football, and Fox and CBS are holding on to their respective Sunday afternoon packages. Uh, and NBC will simulcast games on its Peacock streaming service, and CBS will do the same with Paramount Plus, and ESPN Plus is getting one exclusive international game per year. So... The interesting thing here is that there is a lot of, uh, uh, you know, it's not just put all your eggs in one basket. It is quite literally, it's a complicated, it looks like a complicated mess to an outsider who's used to, who's got the rights for the NRL, Channel 7 for 10 years. All right, see you later. You know, it's not none of this at all. In fact, the NFL for so long has actually been, very astute in the way it's been setting up these packages. Uh, no doubt they have an army of lawyers, <laughs> you know, at the ready when uh, when they go to these negotiations, and they're very careful about who gets what and and making sure that they get the maximum value out of their product. And it's paid off because it, this is an, un, an obscene amount of money for an eleven year period, and 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 no doubt. Um, it, it has a lot to do with the streaming services coming into play as well. And, look, we're not the only ones that think this is good for the NRL. Um, Roy Masters, who's a renowned journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald, has published an article this week which argues the same point. So um, just some quick sort of highlights from, and, you know, those of you who want to check it out, check out Sydney Morning Herald or smh.com.au and, and look for Roy's article this week about that. Um he basically, uh, let me just sort of quickly scroll through. Um, one of the key things, as I said, is uh, that he mentions is the the entrance of Amazon Prime as a new broadcast partner, uh, which, uh, which, as I said earlier, has bought the Thursday night football package on its streaming service. And this is a huge investment. It's spending about a billion dollars US per year. Um, keeping in mind that while that sounds like a massive amount of money, it only represents 10.5% of the total value of the NFL media rights. So mm-hmm. think about that. This is one game a week, and it is uh, counted as 10% or so of the total uh, package. And, and it's Thursday night. It's not even the, the, the most kind of um, popular night. So, look, again, a lesson there for us. Potentially, uh, I think, and I'm going to throw this to you now, Tish, before I move on to the next part, but what do you think about this idea of, you know, breaking up the days so that you could say, look, let's let's just let's just take, say, Thursday night. Instead of having it as part of the usual, um, let's see what the, the TV right, the, the TV broadcasters do here, why not just say, let's just, uh, you know, isolate Thursday night as a package and say, Right, let's just give it to a streaming service. It's Streaming is part of what we, you know, it, it, it's it, give them a chance to get involved. You know, they, they might be out, outgunned our local streaming services by the Channel 9s of the world. But, um, you know, if you give a streaming service a chance, then you potentially open up, you know, the market for, for other streaming providers to then 
challenge for that package or another package in the next round of rights. What do you think, Tish, as as a way to kind of, you know, is this a good idea for us to, um, you know, think ahead in terms of how we can manipulate the market to our advantage? What do you think? Yeah, well, look, if you talk to many people that are in rugby league, um, they'll tell you that where the game grew the biggest is in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, right? Yeah. And uh, Dr. T, if you could help me out here, because I'm trying to trying to make sure I get this right, but as far as I remember, the Penrith-Canberra Grand Finals were on Channel 10, is that right? I, I believe they were. I remember Graham Hughes' voice <laughs> commentating that one. Yep, definitely. That's right. And then, but the state of origins for those seasons were on Channel 9, is that right? That's correct. That's right. And I do recall watching... Australia versus New Zealand on Channel 7. I think you may be right. Yep. Yep. And there was Saturday afternoons on ABC. On ABC. Yep. And uh, again, this is the period where Rugby League grew the quickest, right? And then it's only been after the Super League war when half of the NRL was run by a media company that the whole exclusive rights experiment came on board. And we've pretty much gone through probably um, until the RL Commission came through. It was a pretty dire straits time when it came to the management of the funds of the of of you know rugby league. So the thing is, the argument that this won't work in in uh, in, in rugby league is ridiculous because it was actually working beautifully before um, mm. by by splitting up the rights by having a Saturday night game on. Sorry, a Saturday day game on the ABC, um, which is a different audience. People who watch the ABC is a different audience to the people who watch commercial TV on Channel 9, right? And then that is a different audience again to what you're going to have on pay TV. Um, Obviously, the state of origin on 9, you know, 9 will focus on it a lot more. Um, you know, if, if that's all they have, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. And then all of a sudden, you don't no longer have one big game around because, you know, really... Um, You've only got, uh, you know, Channel 9 has only got 168 hours uh, of TV per week, but Channel 7 has another 168 hours. So the thing is, if you only give Channel 7 one game and you give Channel 9 another game, um, you know, you've suddenly got twice as many hours to promote two different games if if, if you kind of get that compounding mm-hmm. effect. Same sort of thing with the budget, right? You know, Channel, you know, if ch- say, for example, each broadcaster has a budget of a billion dollars to spend on sport. Well, the thing is, why only go to the one broadcaster that uh, can only give you a maximum of a billion dollars? Uh, why not split it off so you can get the maximum return out of each broadcaster instead? Um, and, you know, you can still provide exclusivity as in, you know, this, what night do you want? You know, let's bid for the best viewing rated, rated nights. You know, Friday night, um, 8 p.m., who wants that slot? Do you know what I mean? Do you want it 7? Do you want it 9? It, it is it is far and away a much more better way. Um, you know, how many garage sales... I mean, you, this works in any sort of thing. Like, how many garage sales do you go to where everybody's like, I'll give you the whole lot for 50 bucks? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? That's at a garage sale level, right? Uh, you know, uh, 
<laughs> I love how you bring it, oh, Tish. I love how you bring it back down to the real, the real things that we, us normal people have to negotiate. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, yeah, but you're right. You're right there. It, it is across the board. And look, the other thing is when people say, "Don't put your eggs in one basket." There's a reason for that. It's because if someone goes, I don't like the look of that basket, then guess what? You've got no sale. <laughs> so you can't, you don't sell your eggs <laughs> if you if you you know, if you put them all in a basket that no one likes. And this is a problem. If by putting your all your eggs into say channel nine or whatever whatever the whatever the case may be, you run the risk of people saying, Well, I don't like watching that channel. So you just yeah. lose a whole a whole portion of possible new audience because you haven't really thought carefully about how to reach that audience. You've just gone, and it, it it reeks of desperation when one provider manages yep. to buy the whole thing, the whole lot for exclusive rights. Really, uh, you know, to me, it's it, it the opposite should happen. And 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 teach if you don't mind, I'm just going to go into the next part because it kind of expands on this a little bit. So. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit because this is the next, and then I'll open back up to you because this is really the key point here. Um, so Peter Volandis is poised to enter, I'm just reading a bit off the article, poised to enter negotiations for the sale of NRL free-to-air rights with the current renegotiated arrangement expiring at the end of next season. That's at the end of 2022. The Australian view that free-to-air rights are a diminishing proportion of broadcasting fees is at odds with the NFL experience, where the chief executive of CBS Entertainment, George Cheeks, described American football as, quote, must-have content that stands above the crowd in a fragmented television audience. I'll read that again. Must-have content that stands above the crowd in a fragmented television audience. So the the last bit I'll say is Colin Smith of uh, Global Media and Sports has said, this is in the article again, quote, in negotiations with free-to-air broadcasters, if I were the NRL, I would u- be using the NFL playbook, stressing it is a must-have product and also be seeking offers for free-to-air packages over an extended term across free content and pay content for terms extended to 2030 and beyond. So let me just unpack that, Tish, and then I'll throw it to you and then we'll wrap it up. But really what this is saying is uh, – you know, and this is why the comment about it being feeling desperate when you go to one provider only is you're not thinking about selling yourself as must-have content. Now, if 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 you if you kind of display yourself or, or you have a reputation for this is a product that that many want to challenge for and want to own, then you have created must-have content. Now, off the top of your head, Tish, how many must-have items or products do we have in rugby league i mean can someone say state of origin one two and three (laughs) you know like this is pretty obvious the nfl the nrl grand final is a pretty big one um we've got even things like one-offs like um the the um sorry what was that the all-stars game oh the all-stars game yeah that's what i was going to mention and not to mention internationals i mean look we've got we have got so many different products that we could really, if we wanted to, uh, look, show people, look, this is not just, it's not just variety. It's it's the fact that they're actually sought after and highly, you know, whenever you put these things on, they get high ratings. Why wouldn't you have them? And so we need to package it that way and say, look, 
if you don't want to challenge for the state of origin rights, we're going to go elsewhere and we will get top dollar because it is one of the highest ratings kind of uh, series of games in any sport in Australia across the year. So, uh, you know, and then the final point there that what Colin Smith was saying about the NFL playbook, I think is really interesting because he's talking about, you know, not just the play it up as a must have product, but also seek offers for free to air packages that is it goes across uh, so the broadcasters where they can maybe they can partner with a pay TV provider so that you know people who have say whatever I think the whatever the NBC one I think is called Peacock streaming service you know so that way you can then get um, you know that kind of combination of streaming rights and then free free to air content or or maybe even uh, embellish it further with with more content if you pay for it or whatever. You know, there's many ways you can go about it. But the point is, we we live in an age where streaming is the norm. We just I just spoke earlier about the Zack Snyder sort of Justice League reboot kind of recut version. Um, you know, that wasn't at the cinemas. That wasn't old media. That was new media. It was done via I think it was HBO Max, which was show uh, shown here locally in Australia on Binge. Um, you know, again, it's a streaming platform, and this is what you'll see increasingly. So, as a sport, as a professional billion-dollar sport, the NRL really needs to get on the front foot and look for the the opportunities that are out there and not tie itself, its hands behind its back, to old-school media, which doesn't want to play ball in terms of uh, utilising the available streaming platform. So I'll leave it there, but Tish, what do you think about the suggested approach uh, that I just spoke about? Look, um, I think OTT services need to get in there now. People might say, oh, the audience isn't there, but the thing is your potential audience is there, right? Um, uh the NRL has to get away from the game that my dad watches to the game that I watch for the teenagers out there, right? And the reality is, I think 2005 was the uh, that was the uh, sort of the uh, what the peak where TV viewing exchanged with online activity, and teenagers, you know, I think between the ages of 15 to 25. I think were were more online than what they were watching television, right? So what what does that say is that if you're going to find this younger generation, they're going to be, you know, they're into stuff that they could stream, they can uh, stuff they could watch, you know, Game of Thrones, you know, it, this is all stuff you want to be able to watch on your phone. Um, you know, people sort of wonder why is the NBA so popular uh, in Australia, and part of it is that there's no broadcaster, so they have to stream the games, you know. Um, same sort of thing with EPL and, and you know, there's quite yeah, a number of exactly. sports now that actually, you know, and that's why a platform like KO is so important as well that the NRL is already on. But, you know, the, I think where the NRL has made the mistake is that it hasn't, it hasn't tried to gone, it, it hasn't gone cross-platform. And that's the real, that's the real uh, thing it needs to look at when it comes to broadcasting rights. You, you actually need to get competitors. You need to get, you need to get um, some of your content across multiple OTT platforms, right, and multiple television networks, because um, because it just means that yeah, you've got you've got a lot bigger pool of revenue that uh, and advertising that you're working with um, that you could potentially gain, and um, yeah, and there are so many ways you could break this up into that would be great. 
you know, I'm also looking at that, you know, that six o'clock game that we criticize is perfect for an OTT platform because nobody's at home watching it anyway. Everybody's on the road on a Friday night, you know? So, you know, um, making that an OTT experience is going to be a fantastic way to try and get a younger audience in for that particular game, you know? So, so I think the NRL, uh, yeah, it, it does need to upgrade the way it's thinking about broadcast rights. Um, and get it into a more modern modern setting. And I, and look, um, we do have quite a, a, you know, I think with the current management, we've seen what they've done with the awesome work they did last year to try to get the NRL back online, uh, you know, back up and running. So I think um, if they could keep the innovation going, um, then I think that would be great uh, as well. And this, yeah, as you said, Dr. T, there's so many different um, things that we could sell um, so many different documentaries we can make, so many different films, you know, that that's the other thing about the NFL. They've actually got a, a huge film library now because of these awesome, great documentaries they, they do, you know, and, uh, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30s where they go through, yeah. you know, scabs and things like that. We've got so many of those type of stories, you know, the Super League War, but every single origin series itself can be turned into a documentary, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. So, you know, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's hopefully the powers of B can, can get this all up and running. Absolutely. All right. And let's move on to tackle number five, which is League Around the World. All right, Tish, there's some big news out of Canada. Take it away. Yes, Canada, the home of, um, you know, rugby league dreams. And maple syrup. Uh, and maple syrup. Um, Is it? I don't know. Yep, that's true. Maple syrup, northern exposure, uh, Wolverine. But look, uh, the you know, um, Steve Mascot has reported that after weeks of being teased by everyone from uh, Reese Jacks and Boy George, the new semi-professional competition in Canada has been launched. So the Sheffield-based tech industry professional Chris Coates um, and league leads uh, Toronto Wolfpack Superfan Sandy uh, Shilpi have been re- has re- been revealed as the leading force behind a six-team men's and women's nines competition, which will uh, you know which is slated to begin in 2021. Uh, the media release describes this league as being a first fan-owned professional league in the world. So I don't know what that means. Maybe um, you know you get to they like GoFundMe pages or something like that. Um, the teams uh, will, you know, be playing out of Ontario, Quebec, British Columbia, um, Saskatchewan, Alberta. Uh, will all be rec- uh, will all be sort of represented. So interesting to know Toronto being represented so far. But there you go. The Canadians, you know, they're still trying to get a team back into the Super League. They're still trying to uh, promote the game of rugby league in in Canada. And um, it looks like a new nines competition for both men's and women's. Um, Dr. T, do you think this is another failed experiment waiting to happen, or do you think this one's got legs? Um, Look, in the age of, as we just said earlier, streaming services and, you know, again, to talk about the Snyder Cut, (laughs) this was a fan-led thing. If it wasn't for the fans that said, we don't like that and we want you know, to support you doing this, um, it wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, dreams can come true, Canada. Mm. So follow your dream. We've got two people there who, with a bit of backing and 
knowledge of the game and and passion, obviously, who who are setting up essentially setting up a league and it's a semi-pro league. So it's going to be, you know, I, I don't know what that means exactly, how much the players will be played, but play, players will be paid, sorry. And, but look, regardless of that, it's, it's going to cover a big area in Canada. So it's, let's see how it goes. I mean, this is something that hasn't really happened elsewhere in the world and probably because there have been too many barriers in the past and and one of which is usually the 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 authorizing body uh in in each country is usually kind of against these kind of risky moves um but look this is kind of a fan-led thing and it could work and look let's see what happens i mean don't forget the toronto um uh, wolfpack you know started off as you know a, a local kind of uh, team, and and once it got introduced into the the lower levels of the UK competition, it started getting big crowds, and then towards the end, it's it started getting you know nine ten thousand uh, people crowds, which is which is awesome. So you know you never know there maybe is a market here for something different, and if enough people get together and uh, it becomes like a bit of a thing, then it might actually get some legs and and get moving and don't forget the 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 reason why we want to watch this with interest is because you know we've talked a lot about other types of leagues that have been kicked off you know XFL and all these other things which are usually led by uh not necessarily someone with a passion but someone who wants to make money and and usually backed by a celebrity or something and often those don't work because maybe the decisions they make are around you know the quick buck well maybe this is not what this is so I'm looking forward to this with interest. So what about you, Tish? What do you think? Should we, uh, you know, should we expect some big news out of uh, out of this group in the coming months? Well, I think so. And I think I would actually like to see the NRL actually pitch in and help out. You know, obviously this is a fan-led thing, you know, and the NRL loves its fans. Um, so, you know, obviously it's thanking the fans for getting, getting them back on their feet. So, look, I think the NRL should donate maybe one marquee player per seat, you know, per team. You know, get a Benji out there playing in the nines, you know, Cameron Smith, you know, get him out of retirement to play. Uh, you know, Greg Inglis is, is starting back up in the Super League. Get him like that. Get get some of these absolutely, you know, Billy Slatter, if he could still play, you know, some of these guys that could, uh, you know, put on some ph- phenomenal plays and, you know, even try and sponsor maybe some musical artists from Canada to sort of be like the team mascots, a bit like how they started the IPL. Um, you know, uh, we could have, you know, Celine Dion, Justin Bieber, Shania Twain. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to think of other like Canadian, uh, Michael, uh, you know, uh, what's that? Austin Powers guy. He's Canadian. I oh, think. Mike Myers. Yeah. Mike Myers. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, you know, just try and get all these, you know, uh, you know, Alanis Morissette, uh, get these, <laughs> you know, famous Canadians, you know, like, like Michael say, J. Fox. Michael. Back to the future. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I think something like that could work. Ryan Reynolds. Wow, oh, yes. The there you go. Team. Um, you know, so so uh yeah, I think I think doing something like that can I think I think I think that's where we need to get to because the reality is like uh rugby league it, it needs to associate itself with something bigger than what it is at the moment. And um, you know, look, the Tina Turner experiment worked. So uh, let's let's. I think I think they could do that up there. You know, it would be great to see. You know the you know the Ryan Reynolds, um, you know Deadpool 
you know, Quebecians versus, you know, Jim Carrey's, uh, you know, um, masked on Terry. I don't, I don't know. You know, just um, Jim Carrey's pet detectives. Pet detectives. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Something like that. That I mean, that could. It could be a bit of fun, but I think in the end, uh, you know, it could be fantastic. And wouldn't it be good if instead of pouring, uh, you know, a Gatorade bottle over the head of the winner, we just get a big uh, barrel of maple syrup over, <laughs> How gross. over the winning coach. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the Quebec uh, pet detectives uh, traveling down to Australia and going up against the Cessnock Goannas. Uh, <laughs> From from Andrew Johns's area, just to see, uh, you know, with with uh, maybe let, let's get uh, or maybe against Manly, just to yeah, get well, to get the Deadpool and the and the Wolverine, uh, you to know, be honest, Hugh Jackman. The Tigers will still lose to a team out of Canada at the moment. So, <laughs> speaking of which, let's let's end this by talking about the tips. So here we go, final tackle, the tips. Tips for round uh, three. Uh, now, after two rounds, uh, yeah, I didn't do too bad. I got six out of eight, and you got five out of eight last week. So I'm on 12, and you're on 10, which is not too bad. Uh, let's see how we go this week. So, Tish, quick fire. Panthers versus Storm. I am tipping the Panthers. I'm tipping the Storm. All right. Dragons versus uh, Manly. I'm tipping the Dragons. I'm going the Dragons too. All right. Rabbitohs v. Roosters. Um, it's a tough one, but I think the Roosters will win this one. Well, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs. Oh, well done. Raiders versus Warriors. I think the Raiders showed enough. I think they're going to win that one. Yes, Raiders for mine. Broncos v. Bulldogs. Uh, a battle for the bottom. Um, uh, let's see how we go. I think the Broncos will win this one, though. They're, they're showing a lot more promise than the Bulldogs. Well, I... You, you probably have to go back to, like, 1987, uh, the last time the Broncos played on a Saturday afternoon. or <laughs> so <I'm laughs> On the ABC. The Bulldogs. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to take the Bulldogs. It's, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be such a weird thing to watch the Broncos play on a Saturday. All right. Eels versus Sharks. I'm tipping the Eels. Uh, look, I'm tipping the Eels as well. Knights v. Tigers. And I'm going to be with you on this one. I actually think the Tigers will win this one. Well, look, I can't back the Tigers at all. I've what? given up. I've given up on the season. I've, I've told no. you that. No. Look, if our halfback can't break through his own banner, what chance does he have of breaking through the defense of an opposition? Wasn't That's... he carrying his two kids or whatever? <laughs> that, that was Wade Grave. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm forgetting my banner my banner breakers this week. Yeah, you're right. That was Wade Grave. Um, yeah, look, that's that's shocking. <laughs> Poor old Luke, Luke Brooks. Anyway, uh, all right, so you t- tipped the Knights on that one, did you? I'm going to tip the Knights. Oh, geez. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Cowboys and Titans. Uh, Titans, I think, will win that one. Yeah, look, I am tipping the Cowboys. I think the uh, – I don't know if you saw the Todd Payton, the latest episode of Todd Payton's coaching – uh, where he he basically had a ten minute silence after the game. I think I think that was quite effective. It look it looked like a very uncomfortable scene. I think the Cowboys do not want to lose another game after after that. Uh, you know, get getting the silent treatment from their coach. 
Uh, he needs to he needs to take a book from a page from uh, Des Hasler's coaching book <laughs> and start throwing stuff around, <laughs> getting angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The silent treatment on its own is not going to work, Todd Payton. You need to actually add some, you know, throwing things around a little bit and get, you know, get angry. That, yeah. Then you'll scare the players. But you know, oh, well, that's his choice. That is that's choice. His, yes. his style. <laughs> but look, yeah, let's. Well, it's a, it's we always are up for innovation, and uh, yeah, silence has never really been our thing. So look, I, I think yeah, I I think it's going to work. Yeah, look, hashtag let Todd Payton's voice be heard. Uh, I think, <laughs> you're the voice, Todd. You're the voice, Todd Payton. All right, well, that ends our podcast for this week. Thank you very much for uh, persisting and listening. I hope you had a good one. I think we had a good one uh, this week, Tish. And uh, look, as usual, don't forget to catch us on our various platforms, uh, Facebook on our website via email and Twitter as well. Uh, you can email us on ourrepublic at gmail.com if you have any ideas and suggestions as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, over to you, Tish, to wrap things up. Thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. But look, that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>